Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I come bearing gifts. Uh, I love having Good News Friday days where we have something to give away. And if you're a football fan, you're really going to love what we have to give away. Did I get your attention? Here we are. We survived week one. I, I don't know when the weeks for the football seasons actually start anymore because they ran all the preseason games like on the weekend, like they were actual NFL games. Someone at the NFL Networks finally figured out that playing a preseason game on a Thursday night or a Saturday afternoon didn't really help, but put them in primetime on Sunday and people will think the season's already begun. Actually, last weekend, starting with Thursday, going all through through Monday, that was the first week of the NFL season. And now we already had week two starting off this week, and i got to check the schedule here to find out who's actually playing in these games uh, because let's get this NFL schedule 2022 – and we take a look and we see that uh, week one uh, games, da, 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 and we find out who is, well, I'll take a look at the standings. Who's at the top of the standings? AFC East, AFC West. Um, who's in the AFC West? Oh, Denver Broncos. Well, the Broncos lost a heartbreaker in the opening week. So they're not having quite the really great start that we thought they were would. But nonetheless, I say the Broncos because I realize we're in Southern California, too. So there are the uh, Rams and then there's the, well, you know, the Chargers. You know, not that old. <laughs> we don't say that too loud for our K, uh, K Bright uh, AM 1240 listeners. But nonetheless, um, it is kind of funny because in some of the divisions, like in the uh, the AFC South, no team won. There was a tie. Uh, the Colts and Texans tied at 20. So there was a tie. So the teams are zero and zero, as it were, starting things out. Uh, in the NFC West, uh, the Seahawks pulled out a victory. So now they have a commanding lead because everybody else in their division wound up losing. But we're going to be talking with Brian Dawkins, former uh, former member of the Denver Broncos and a uh, legendary Hall of Famer, uh, talking about his faith and talking about a new book he's written about said faith. And we're going to be giving away a copy of that book. So if you're a football fan, uh, today you're in luck. Last week, of course, was the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. She was 96 years of age. She had reigned for 70 years. And it was the strangest thing, I have to admit. The first report that I saw where they referred to King Charles III instead of Prince Charles, I was flabbergasted. I'm 61 years of age. Prince Charles has been Prince Charles longer than my entire life. Queen Elizabeth II reigned... Uh, as long as some nations have actually been nations. I mean, she had a stranglehold on that thing. And can you imagine being 26 years of age and thrust into the monarchy? Well, the British royal family is a source of contention for some and uh, worship of others. And some people have a strange fascination with the two. I, I know of people who are, you know, really concerned about the mass colonization that has happened under British rule over the past several hundred years. And at the same time, any TV special about the House of Windsor, they're all over. I mean, it's guaranteed the crown, uh, you know, anything that has to do with Charles and, well, Princess Diana, of course, or I guess I should say properly Diana, as they say in England. Don't ask me why. D-I-N-A-A is pronounced Diana. Yeah, you know, English is a crazy language, and I think it was the playwright George Bernard Shaw, in referring to the U.S. and the United States, or the U.S. and England, uh, said the difference between the UK, U.S. and the U.K. is there are two people who are separated by a common language. <laughs> Brilliant line. Anyway, so Charles, at the age of 73, had his first address to the world last Friday as King Charles. 
Now, there are a lot of big Christian people who over the past week or so have taken to social media to basically speak of the faith of the Queen of England. Uh, Franklin Graham, Greg Laurie, among others. I mean, some pretty well-known uh, pastors and, and teachers. I've seen a lot of women, you know, Beth Moore types. I mean, I don't know if Beth actually specifically said it, but a lot of people took the road of, we know that the, here's a quote from the Queen. We know she was a woman of faith. It was interesting. I was on uh, Instagram a couple days ago, saw our old friend Jenna Ellis on there, and she posted a quote allegedly attributed to Queen Elizabeth II talking about her faith. And then in the comments, she wrote, boy, if this is true, I think it's great. I couldn't resist. I responded back, well, maybe you might want to verify it's true before posting it, question mark. Um, (laughs) Nonetheless, so I'm not here to argue, uh, to vilify or to deify Queen Elizabeth II. May she rest in peace. And I pray that she did at some point in her life make peace with her Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and entered into a baptismal covenantal relationship with him. Um, She's also the head of the Church of England, so that is kind of an interesting thing. But now her oldest son, or I guess I should say in the English world, her eldest son, Charles, is now the king. King Charles. Let that one uh, set in. And of course, there were some snarky comments on social media, you know, a picture of Prince Charles. I think James Herson, one of our contributors, put a picture of Prince Charles up. And the caption was the man formerly known as Prince. Okay, remember when the artist Prince had a copyright issue with his label and instead of just going by his name Prince Rogers Nelson, he started using that crazy sign. So he was then known as the artist formerly known as Prince. Um, then there were others who, this is really a kind of schlocky American TV conversation, but um, there was a picture of King Charles addressing the world as King Charles, and uh, the caption underneath said, Charles in charge. Okay, just some fun American references here. But the king did speak about the responsibility that he has to the Church of England, and he also then in his first nationwide address talked about his own personal faith, And here are some of the selected quotes that King Charles said. By the way, he is now the Supreme Governor of the Church of England and Defender of the Faith. He says that his faith is, quote, deeply rooted in the Church of England. And having that faith has taught him to, quote, cherish a sense of duty to others. Here's a longer quote from the new King of England. The role and the duties of monarchy also remain as does the sovereign's particular relationship and responsibility toward the Church of England, the church in which my own faith is so deeply rooted. In that faith and the values it inspires, I have been brought up to cherish a sense of duty to others and to hold in the greatest respect the precious traditions, freedoms, and responsibilities of our unique history and our system of parliamentary government. Now, can I just stop for a second here? I know some people are going to have a hard time with with that because of the colonization issue and some of the hanky-panky that's taken on in the House of Windsor. But just for the love of the English language, wasn't that a beautiful statement? I mean, it was so... Yeah, I had a good time reading it. And it continues. King Charles, as the Queen herself did with such unswerving devotion, I too now solemnly pledge myself throughout the remaining time God grants me to uphold the constitutional principles at the heart of our nation. And then, I love this, the king thanked his darling mama for her 70 years of service to the UK and to the Commonwealth. Quote, 
In her life of service, we saw that abiding love of tradition, together with that fearless embrace of progress, which make us great as nations. The affection, admiration, and respect she inspired became the hallmark of her reign. Oh, my goodness. And to my darling mama, as you begin your last great journey to join my dear late papa, I want to simply say this. Thank you. Thank you for your love and devotion to our family and to the family of nations you have served so diligently all all these years. May flights of angels sing thee to thy rest. The faithful Christian disciple, as she was referred to, Queen Elizabeth II, has been laid to rest and long live the queen. And long live King Charles too. I hope and pray that the faith of which he spoke of is genuine. I hope and pray that men like Greg Laurie and Franklin Graham and others who've spoken openly about her faith um, are doing so from a sincere place of what they've seen and what they've experienced. And I really do honestly hope uh, for all leaders of the world. I mean, our world is in peril right now, but, but for one or two godly men and women who could really reverse the tide, if God is leading us to his return, then Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, or Maranatha, if you will. But if God still has more work yet to be done, we trust that he will raise up men and women of all different stripes and colors and creeds and backgrounds and use the platforms that they've been given to preach the good news. Amen? Amen. As we continue, speaking of using different platforms, when Brian Dawkins was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles in 1996, he went crazy in terms of trying to elevate his own game and literally bring up his entire team. It's interesting that he spent 16 seasons, many of them with the Eagles, but a good number of them with our Denver Broncos as well, doing what he could to help get the teams to the Super Bowl and to win. But he knew that physical training alone wasn't going to make it. And in his brand new book about his journey to the Canton, Ohio Hall of Fame, Brian Dawkins talks about the fact that he not only was blessed with the gifts that he had been given, but that blessings came from the best around. And that, of course, the Lord. Brian Dawkins joins me on the other side of this break as we kick off football season here in the U.S. uh, with week number two opening up this weekend. Brian Dawkins is going to talk about his career, his trip to Canton, Ohio, and what he has learned about the importance of sharing faith, especially in these later years of life. Brian Dawkins, NFL Hall of Famer, coming up next as the bottom line continues. Want to continue receiving income into retirement with little market risk? Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial Services can help you secure a permanent income and benefits addressing your risk tolerance with professional advisory knowledge. You have a large 401k or IRA as your retirement nest egg. How about a four-dimensional plan that will pay you and your spouse income for life without stock market risk? How about we include inflation benefits so your income goes up annually? How about we include extra income benefits for long-term care? And if you need one or both, you both have it. That's right, permanent income inflation benefits, long-term care benefits with no market risk. We have put over $50 million of our clients' money in the 4D account in the last few years. These clients are sleeping way better at night. Learn more when you call Wilson Financial today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, for simply better alternatives. 
Well, special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line, I'm Roger Marsh, and it's not every day we get a chance to have an NFL Hall of Famer uh, joining us here, but Brian Dawkins is that guy. Uh, his brand-new book is a memoir it's called Blessed by the Best, My Journey to Canton and Beyond, and we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Brian Dawkins, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. No, thank you for having me. What is it like? I mean, and I, I mean this as a fan. I never got past flag football in elementary <laughs> school. What is it like to not only play in the NFL, but then wind up reaching the, the highest mountain there? Man, it, it is such a blessing. And it's, something, it's one that I did not take for granted. Believe me, um, I didn't expect to be where I was. It, it wasn't supposed to be me from, you know, from my neighborhood to make it, to finally get a chance to play in the National Football League. So to have that opportunity to do it, and then to do it for 16 years, and then then to have a you know a, a Hall of Fame bust with a jacket in my honor, right? That mm -hmm. I, I always tell people at this point I'm living somebody else's dream because I, I didn't I didn't dream that big. <laughs> Oh, well, and isn't it great? You know, that's the way God operates, right? Is the fact that, uh, you know, we have our plans. And then if you want to make God laugh, you show him your plans. And then he takes you from where you didn't think you would even potentially play professional football to a guy who has over 1,100 tackles, um, 26 sacks, which is not bad coming out of the backfield of defenses there. And I think this is this is just me being a, a geek before we get into the book. Um, what's it like to have your number retired? I love that when teams do that. I really do love that. And I'm glad the Eagles retired your jersey number. How cool is that? Yeah, and and that's another thing. Again, you, you have a, a story franchise, Philadelphia Eagles, with mm -hmm. you know the um, the Roddy fan base that they have. And to, to know that my number is one of those that um, has been put up into the rafters to never be worn again, again, is, is another thing I never thought. You know, I don't, I don't even have my jersey retired at, at my college or my high school, let alone, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let alone the National Football League. So, it's, uh -huh. again, it's just one of those things that blows me away. And going back to your point earlier, uh, earlier about the Lord, and, and you're right. You know, he does. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we may think, you know, or, or imagine. And so, and that power that operates is already in us. So, obviously, I, I had that when I accepted in my life as as my personal Lord and Savior. And you know, he's he's just been showing out in my life, showing out. Mm -hmm. You know, Brian Dawkins is with me, and I, I th when you mentioned the fact that, yeah, the Eagles thought it was good enough to retire your number, but your own high school didn't. I thought, well, a prophet is without honor in his hometown. So, I mean, that just it makes <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if they if they haven't figured it out, at least the Eagles didn't. Of course, our KLTT and KLDC listeners are very familiar with your time with the Broncos too. Toward the end of your career, uh, sixteen years—that's a huge, I mean, accomplishment. Especially now, when you see the number of people who physically, and you're on the defensive end, so you're the guy you're administering the hurt. You're not necessarily trying to dodge those guys. Uh, you sound great. Your health is good, I trust. I mean, uh, we're hearing from a lot of you know families of football players saying that pounding constantly just really takes a toll on your whole body. It, it, it does, and it can long term. Um, you know, obviously, I've been blessed. I don't say luck. I say I've been blessed Amen. to have played the game as physical as I did to still have the health that I have. And I, I have nothing. I have no ailments. I have nothing going on with me. And, you know, That's one fantastic. of the things that I was blessed to get early in my career that has blessed me in my mindset changing is my rookie year. Irving Fryer at the time, he was mm -hmm. like in, I think, his 13th year. Mm -hmm. He looked at me and said, Rook, if you take care of your body now, it'll take care of you later. If you take care of your body now, it'll take care of you later. And when I, I really took that to heart coming from him because at that time he was still, you know, physically fit. He had huge guns, like his arms, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So he was still mm -hmm. in, in very good shape. 
into year 13. So I literally began to think outside of the box of what do I need to do to, to, to continue to get myself back to play full speed Sunday outside of the things that the organization is given. You know, everybody's taking protein. Everybody takes a little, maybe a, a little, um, uh, vitamin pack that the, the, the team gives them, but I wanted to go up and above that. And so that's what I've been throughout my whole career outside of the box thinking in order to make sure I'm putting the right fuel in this body so that they can give me the output and output and recover properly. I think that's so helpful and so wise. Brian Dawkins is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, uh, NFL Hall of Famer and author of the brand-new book called Blessed by the Best, My Journey to Canton and Beyond. And we have a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Tell us about your faith journey. I mean, we've talked about your football journey a little bit in terms of what it was like to go from that high school that didn't appreciate you to that college experience to now 16 years in the NFL in Canton. But what talk about the faith component, because for a lot of guys, I was just doing a feature uh, a couple of weeks ago on Ben Roethlisberger and the fact that, you know, Ben grew up in a Christian home, but then as he got into the NFL, the temptations there, he kind of put it on the back burner. And it was only in later years as, you know, marriage, family, that kind of kicks in that, that all of a sudden Proverbs 22, six, when you're old, you don't depart from your faith. What was it like for you as an early age, Brian Dawkins? Yeah, and that's a great one. I'm, I'm born and born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida, obviously. And I was blessed at being a a household with believers, my mom and my dad both. Uh, my mom is a Baptist, and <laughs> my, mm. my dad is a Catholic. And so Ooh. there's a different different end of the spectrum, so to speak, especially when it comes to church time. So, Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we, we kind of had a choice of which one to go to church with. And so we obviously went to church with my dad because they stay in church for an hour instead right. of long periods of time. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> the Baptist, there, there's no clock in a Baptist church. Yeah, you know there that's true. None. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But in uh, and, and, and being in that house, so I knew, obviously, who God was. I knew about mm-hmm. the Trinity. I knew who Jesus Christ was. I just didn't have a relationship with him, right? Mm. But it wasn't until my junior year um, that I accepted Christ into my life as my personal Lord and Savior. It was after a practice. Um, one of the coaches um, that my my head coach of the of, of Reigns High School, Coach Steve, has invited a coach to come out and speak, and he was also a minister. And he asked after that speech he gave us, you know, if you don't know Christ, um, no, he, no, he asked this question: if you if you die today, do you know where you would go? Mm. And if you don't know you know, right? That was his yeah. statement. And so initially I accepted Christ in my life, like out of fear. Right. So I, right. I just didn't want to go to the, to the, to the bad place as, as I, as I called it back then, mm-hmm. but I know him to be a God of love now, but that was the, the beginning of a movement of me beginning to want really learn, want to learn more about this, 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 this God that, that I had learned about in Sunday school. I had learned the Bible. And now it's a relationship thing. It's no longer a, a ritual thing. It's more of a relationship thing. And, and God brought my wife, Connie, into my life around that same, same time. And she went to a holiness church. And that's completely different. Mm. All, I don't even think they had instruments in the church. So it was a lot of, um, I saw some of the, um, you know, speaking in tongues. I saw those things for the first time at that um, at that service, and it blew me away. It, it actually scared me, mm. right? And but but reading now, I recognize that these are things I just did, had no idea existed, and there it was in the Word of God. So there's more for me, obviously, 
to find out and to learn. And so that began um, a trip down that path of me trying to do the right thing, slipping and falling. But it wasn't until my rookie year, to be honest with you, and, and after I went through the depression that I went through and the self-harm thoughts that I, re- I basically threw, you know, threw all of me into the ring. I didn't. I didn't throw half of me in there and say only you can only have these things. I'm gonna hold on to these other things. No, I threw all of me into the ring, and that was when um, I really began to not want to be a church goer only, Bible study mm-hmm. member only, but a true believer and walk it, not just talk it or read it. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's so interesting, fascinating, captivating for me as a fan, and I know for our listeners too, to hear Brian Dawkins, NFL uh, Hall of Fame safety with the Eagles and the Broncos, uh, talking about your faith in the sense that when you got to the pros by the time you were in your rookie year, here you are. I mean, you're at the top of the heap, and you're you're planning on having a long career, and when the average career in the NFL is, what, two or three years, for you to play 16, then you messed up the curve for 16 other guys. I mean, they, they, they all didn't make it out of training <laughs> yeah. camp because you got it with 16 seasons. But the fact that you, I mean, you were taking this all so hard to the point where, I mean, it, it probably cost you some relationships, some friendships, even to the point where you're saying, I don't know if I can do this and maybe maybe this life isn't for me before God really gets hold of you and says, hey, look, am I your savior or am I savior and Lord of your life? And that's yeah. it's it's encouraging. I mean, it's very inspiring to hear, you know, a big, tough professional athlete saying I was that vulnerable at one point before God brought me back, as it were. And, and that was obviously 100 percent my fault because he had been knocking on my heart prior mm-hmm. to that. Like I, I had instances that I I felt that I should be doing more. Matter of fact, I've always had this voice in my head, and I know who it is now. I didn't know who it was then, but it's it's the Holy Spirit. He's always telling me, you know, you're supposed to be doing more, right? You know, you're supposed to be doing more. Anytime that I begin to settle too long, stay in one place too long, get too comfortable, it's you know, you're supposed to be doing more, right? And so during that time, I wasn't moving. I had made it to the NFL. Yes, we finally made it, but. There's other areas of my life that I needed to do more in, um, and I needed to talk about some things from a mental health standpoint that I needed to get some of the toxins and some of the pains and, and hurts from my past out of me, and I was talking to no one about those things. So those toxins built up, that pressure built up inside of me like a, like a pot on a stove, and then I, then, then I began to um, have fits of rage. That's in the word, right? So. So I had problems with anger, fits of rage, and I was masking my pain, you know, by drinking, drinking um, like beer, especially during that time. And so, you know, one of the things that I did my rookie year is when I was at the absolute rock bottom, you know, I really believe I know to I know now that that rock bottom was a blessing for me because I can only look up after that mm. because the the next step was me no longer being on this on this plane. Of, right. his, of his uh, existence. So I looked up and basically told him, you know, Abba, Father, you know, I'm, I'm coming to you. Um, I'm going to let these things go. One of those things was beer. Um, I haven't sipped uh, or drank beer since my rookie year after I made this declaration with him. And, 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 and he's done what he told me he would do in his word, that he would be there for me, that he would show me the direction, Amen. and he would show me my gifts. And you know I'm 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 blessed. I'm, I'm let me stop. I'll let you ask some more questions. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just blessed. And I'm so thankful. I'm just so thankful for God being who He is. I'm so patient and so uh, so loving. 
I love it. I, I will ask more questions, but we're going to do it on the other side of this break. Uh, Brian Dawkins is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, you're talking about uh, a college standout, NFL superstar, Hall of Famer, who has a brand new book out to talk about his experience in life and especially his experience in faith. The book is called Blessed by the Best, My Journey to Canton and Beyond. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. If you're a football fan, even if you're not a football fan, hope you're enjoying my conversation with NFL Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins. His book is called Blessed by the Best, My Journey to Canton and Beyond. And, of course, that journey included a stint with the Denver Broncos as well as a good run with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, if you've been inspired by this book, if you're a football fan, or maybe you know one, maybe you've got a grandson or a granddaughter who's a huge fan and you're looking for a way to connect with them, I encourage you to give us a call at 800-227-5278. Joel is answering the phones today. Uh, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line for the biography by NFL Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins of the Philadelphia Eagles and Denver Broncos. The book, again, is called Blessed by the Best, My Journey to Canton and Beyond. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Football season is exciting. It's compelling. A lot of people are watching right now. College season games, your high school Friday night lights games. But how many people are dreaming of getting to Canton, Ohio, which is where the NFL Hall of Fame is, but they're missing the real reward, the Faith Hall of Fame, which awaits for those of us who have life eternal in heaven. On the other side of this break, we'll talk more about the faith journey of NFL Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins, why the football season always gets him excited, uh, but what gets him more just really enthused and engaged is sharing his faith in Jesus Christ with men, especially who are playing in the NFL and college ranks who will listen to what he has to say because of that gold jacket he so rightly deserves and earned. Brian Dawkins, NFL Journey, coming up next as the bottom line continues. Right after you get into an accident, you need to call Stephanie Cover of Cover Law to begin the process of healing. Too many people make the wrong choice and try to handle their case on their own. Don't be gullible. Your insurance company does not have your best interests in mind. Their job is to save money, not help you recover. Stephanie's priority is you. She will help you recover wholly, mind, body, and spirit, as well as get you the settlement you deserve. Begin your recovery by contacting Stephanie first and follow her instructions to streamline your healing process. Stephanie has over 25 years of experience and knows how to get you healed and restored. Although your friends and family may have good intentions, they are not personal injury attorneys, and therefore they do not know the best way to help you. Stephanie Cover does, and she will help you put the pieces back together financially, physically, and spiritually. You need to write down her number now, 877-214-4935, or go to kbrightradio.com slash Law. Your healing begins with Cover Law. Brian Dawkins is my guest today here on the bottom line. And as we think about the, uh, you know, the NFL season never ends. I mean, it's, it's, it starts in the summer with the preseason. It goes all the way through the fall. They play the Super Bowl now, what, in March or April, Brian? I mean, it just seems like the season just keeps getting <laughs> yeah, longer. And, long, <laughs> and by the time you finish the Super Bowl, then all of a sudden it's draft time, you know, and they've got the combines and everything. That's a lot for younger players to have to deal with. It wasn't so much the case for you uh, when you were drafted by the Eagles back in 96. But uh, do you still keep involved in the game? I mean, 
obviously people still ask about your career and everything, but, uh, but what is Brian Dawkins working on right now that uh, people might be interested to know about? Well, uh, yeah. So <laughs> when I played, it, there was no off-season, excuse me, in my mind because mm-hmm. I had to get my body ready. I had to build, so I had to. I was, I was again. I was one of those individuals that was constantly looking for ways to get better, whether it was MMA training, whether it was kickboxing. But like, I was always trying to find something to get me to the next level or to um, and and not maintaining. Right, I always want to increase, so I was constantly trying to maintain. You would have never um, told me when I was playing a game of football that there would be a time that I don't look at it as quite as much. And that's where I am now. My heart has changed. So even when I was, uh, I don't know if people know this, that I was an executive for the Eagles for two years. Mm. So it was the Eagles with Doug Peterson's first year and the Super Bowl year. So I was an executive during that time. So I was, you know, we're doing some things behind, um, behind the, behind the, you know, off the beaten path, off the, uh, out of the spotlight to help that franchise, to help the building and, and the players and the coaches and whomever I could, the Holy Spirit would send me close to so that I could be, as he told me to be, um, to help with the, the, the community in the building. The, the, the Lord had me in, the, in that spot so that I can help where I saw fit. And that was one of the things that I gave the Lord as, I believe, I believe it was Gideon, and he said, if, if it's you, Lord, speaking, then and have this, have the dew fall on this mm-hmm. instead of that, right? So I, I kind of right. get kind of the same thing, right? I, I told him that, you know, if, if this is what you want me to be after ESPN told me they didn't want me anymore, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Because uh, I was a comment, uh, I was doing, um, you know, the uh, ESPN thing for about three years. Mm-hmm. But after that door was closed, and that voice said, you know, you're supposed to be doing more, right? Matter of fact, he was saying it even when I was doing the ESVN thing. So I knew that that was the Holy Spirit, the Lord talk, talking to them. But I told, I said, if you want me to go back there to Philadelphia, then give me a position without a title. And that's what happened. Hmm. So I was an executive without a title, able to do basically walk around the building and, and do different things to help different people. So that, as the Bible says, a house, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Amen. And so... That was, you know, one of the, the charges that I was given. So I, my heart was all into daggum football, to looking at guys, to see what I can do to help guys, to the building, the, you know, business side, to the, um, you know, football side, all of that stuff. But when we won the Super Bowl, my heart began to change. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing that I was doing in the building, the Holy Spirit began to want me to then do that outside of the building. Because if I'm an employee for the Eagles, I can't do some of the things that I'm doing now. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one of those was to write the book and the other one was to start my foundation. So those are some of the things that I'm doing and to go out and do more inspirational speaking, Um, not just motivational speaking. Motivation only lasts for so long, but inspiration is from the inside. It's literally to breathe life into something. So that's the space that I'm in now. I love it. It's it's so encouraging to hear, especially as God has led you to some pretty sweet positions post career in terms of you know the ESPN and you know being back as an executive with the Eagles. And I, I commend you, Brian Dawkins, for for having the discernment to hear God's voice to say, look, if if you're going to do more. Then even though it'd be nice to say, wouldn't you love to just be an executive for the Eagles for the rest of your days? You don't know, say, this is great. I know how to do this. This is fantastic. But yeah. there are certain things that you get limited by. Tell us about the foundation, Brian Dawkins. And of course, more about the book, Blessed by the Best. 
Oh, yeah. So the, the foundation is, is the Brian Dawkins Impact Foundation. And the premise of it is to bless youth, single parents especially, and, and the youth in those households. I, I've, I've been blessed to have my parents, like, like I said. But I had a couple of friends that are no longer with us. And I believe one of those reasons is because they didn't have a father. Mm. And they were able to do things that I knew I just couldn't do. They were able to stay out and do things. And I also saw the plight of the mom working their behind off, working, 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 and they were never home. So if I can now, from the foundation, bless those families so that the children in those homes can then do some things to keep them out of the streets, to do some things in the area of maybe gifting, science camps or math camps or something like that, that would help them further their dream to even have a dream. Yes, we're going to we, we want to do that, but also to help them from a mental health standpoint. Amen. Certain things that I've went through, I've seen in my neighborhood that at the time, and that was one of some of the things that was toxins to me because I was talking to nobody about it, even from my youth that had begun to trouble me as an adult. And there's a lot of people just like that. So the program is to then help high school age kids, young adults, excuse me, understand the stigma behind mental health. But now come up with ways and tools, as, as we call them, to help them mitigate or, or deal with their emotions. You cannot get rid of emotions. They're not supposed to be getting, you're not supposed to get rid of them. They're, they're actually good. But when they begin to prolong, that's when issues happen. So coping mechanisms are some of the things that my foundation pays for through a, a company called EverFi to bless these individuals. I don't call it mental health. I call it cerebral wellness because there's too mm -hmm. much negative connotation attached to that. So those are just a couple of things that the foundation is doing, and we'll have our first golf tournament um, this May, hopefully to raise a lot of funds so that we can extend the programs and, and increase them in the Philadelphia and Jacksonville where they're already existing. Um, and, and the single-parent program, we just started that, um, matter of fact, about two weeks ago. So hmm. excited about that. About it's amazing what God is doing with the guy who was relatively shy. And when you were growing up, probably Jerry. didn't think you could be in front of people. You could be in front of national TV audience, playing football, Hall of Fame, running a foundation, doing national broadcast interviews. I mean, it's really incredible. Brian Dawkins, take the last 60 seconds here. The book is called Blessed by the Best, My Journey to Canton and Beyond. And we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. Take the last 60 seconds and talk to that that person who's listening right now who says, you know, I, I want to be used by God, but I feel like I'm kind of stuck in my own circumstances. You've had to take some huge steps and huge risks in your life over the course of these many years uh, to, to experience the true blessing that God has for you. Give that person who needs a little elbow on the side, a little encouragement there. Wow. Take the butt out. Mm. I want to follow God, but take but, the butt out. I Just follow it. him. I love it. Just move. That's just move into position. The thing that I've recognized in my life is the, 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 the power position is a position of humility. And humility, the way that I see it, is power under control. The most humble cat to ever walk the face of the earth is also the most powerful cat, and that's Jesus Christ. So that's a position. That means that he was powerful, but he can, knows how to use it, when to use it. And his power was not to then talk down on anybody. It was to lift others up. So stepping into that place and knowing that God has something specific for me, I knew that. I knew that he had something specific. I didn't know what it was. 
And it's the same thing for whomever's listening to this. He has something specific to you. There's an area of gifting that you have that you do, and you make it look easy while everybody else struggles with it. Mm. There's an area of gift or something that you're extremely passionate about that God wants to use. Matter of fact, the problems in my life are the things that I'm blessing people with now. The, mm. That dark depression that I went through mm-hmm. is some of the main things and conversations that I have in talking because I can give them another way of handling those toxic situations by the word of God. I call yes. it having your power words, your fighting words. So mm-hmm. it's in you. It's already in you. Your future is not ahead of you. Your greatness is not ahead of you. It's already in you. Just waiting for you to open up your arms and come back home. And take the butt out. I love that. (laughs) I want to serve God, but yeah, get it out of the way. Wise words of counsel from NFL Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Blessed by the Best, My Journey to Canton and Beyond. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Brian, where where can we find you online and get more information about your foundation? Oh, go to bryandawkins.com. All right, bryandawkins.com. Okay, perfect. We'll put that link up at thebottomlineshow.com as well. Brian, great to get to know you, sir. God's richest blessings to you and yours from all of us here at The Bottom Line Show. I appreciate you being with us on the program today. Thank you for having me. Be blessed, everyone. What a great conversation with NFL Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins today here on The Bottom Line. As we, uh, the NFL se- You've heard this cliche before. The NFL season officially kicked off last Thursday night, and uh, we saw a lot of teams like Super Bowl, defending Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams lost, and you know, the, I think the Seahawks won their game, and that makes them the only team with a win in the NFC West, for example. So it's a wacky season. It's a relatively short season, too. And it's very difficult to play as many years in the NFL as Brian Dawkins did. But because he says he was blessed by the best, and that's the best being, of course, the Lord, who's given him so much in terms of athletic ability and opportunity to use it and led him all the way to the Hall of Fame, Brian Dawkins now works in ministerial roles and sharing his faith with others. His biography is called Blessed by the Best. My Journey to Canton and Beyond. It's by NFL Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins. And here at the kickoff of week number two of the NFL season, we wanted to give you a chance to win a copy of this book. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. And let me tell you, if you are looking for a way, I spent last weekend in Texas visiting my grandson and my daughter and son-in-law who just moved there. And it's amazing how taking the time to spend the time to connect with him. Even though we have a long-distance relationship, our times are very, very meaningful. And I I was touched by both of my daughters who were there visiting, sending me text messages while I was at the airport saying, by the way, the minute you left the house, Isaac looked at us and said, I miss Grandpa already. I went, oh, I just want to go back and visit. But trust me, a book like this, if you're a grandparent and you have a grandson or a granddaughter, I mean, my wife is as big a football fan as I am. Um, This type of resource is a great way to reach across the aisle, if you will, especially if you're grandparenting across the miles. And that's why um, I will be perfectly happy to encourage kind of a feeding frenzy on the phones today. Let's put Joel to work. 800-227-5278. We have one copy of Brian Dawkins' book, Blessed by the Best, to give away, and a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, I mentioned that Brian Dawkins played in the NFL for 16 years, and that makes him kind of a fossil, if you will. I mean, no, the average NFL career is just under four. 
So four years. So if you have, uh, you know, see a guy who plays 16 years, that means four other guys played less than a year. And so if you can stick it out that long, you are kind of a relic. Well, as we continue, another Good News Friday to share with you about another relic that's kind of find it, found its way into the public atmosphere. And I'll tell you what, every time we see these things, no matter how large or how small, it's yet another example of how God has uh, rather painstakingly, but I think rather cleverly, hidden himself away in the uh, uh, just it, it, hiding in plain sight certain clues that help us today remember what happened 2,000 and even 3,000 years ago that prove that he is who he is and the Bible is what it is and we know that it's the word of God that is alive and incarnate. Another example of that coming up next as this Good News Friday continues in just a moment here on The Bottom Line. Newport Bay Mortgage will steer you in the right direction toward the truth about reverse mortgages. Owner Cliff enjoys educating every client and wants to debunk the misconceptions you may have heard. You'll see that an FHA-approved reverse mortgage gives you financial freedom. You can use it to pay bills, cover unexpected expenses, or watch your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves while you're still alive. Cliff informs you of the facts. Drawing from his 40 years of reverse mortgage experience, you must be 62 years or older for the FHA program and at least 55 for a conventional high-volume program. It doesn't affect any credit score points and can even be refinanced after one year. When considering ways to enjoy your liquidity in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Contact Cliff today. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse. That's kbrightradio.com slash reverse or 714-741-8080. NMLS 332959. Newport Bay Mortgage, an equal opportunity housing lender. Good news, Friday edition of The Bottom Line. Continuing here, I'm Roger Marsh, and by the way, we're still taking your calls. We have one copy of Brian Dawkins, NFL Hall of Famer from the Eagles and the Broncos. Uh, Brian wrote a book called Blessed by the Best, and uh, we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're giving away a copy today, and I'm really putting the push on for us as grandparents. If you have a grandchild, maybe a grandson or granddaughter, that is into football and they like this, this is a great way to not only talk NFL history, but also, and KLDC fans, come on. I mean, this is a guy who played for the Broncos for how many years, right? Um, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line for a copy of Blessed by the Best by former Eagles and Broncos defenseman Brian Dawkins, who's now in the NFL Hall of Fame. Of course, I mentioned before the break that uh, a Hall of Famer who plays 16 years in the NFL might be referred to in polite circles as a dinosaur or a relic or maybe even a fossil. Um, good news on this Good News Friday about one of those other pieces that's an actual fossil. I mean, Brian Nockett's 50 years old. He's not a fossil. But about a, a rare note that is relatively small but actually contains a couple of lines in Hebrew. And it's very interesting because when you look at them, and you ever have a situation like, I'll, I'll share a personal story, see if this helps you understand where I'm going with this. When I grew, was growing up, I had uh, my grandmother, my mom's mother was with us because uh, um, my, my grandfather, my granddaddy on the other, that side of the family had died of cancer a year before I was born. And on my mom's, or my dad's side of the family, rather, his parents were both still alive, but they lived in 29 Palms, which could have been Death Valley as far as we were concerned, because we lived in Southern California. 
And my grandmother, my mom's mom, before her husband died, he had made arrangements for her to get a brand new car that would be a really nice, uh, just a beautiful, you know, this would be something you should drive and it'll be safe and whatever. It's a 1960 Dodge Pioneer. Now, you remember the Dodge, Chrysler, and Plymouth families. The big car in that whole realm was the Chrysler New Yorker. And those sold a lot everywhere because, remember, New York was the center of the universe in the U.S. for many years. But they made a Dodge version of that for a couple of years. And for those who are listening on KBRT in Southern California, my grandmother had this baby blue, powder blue with a white top, Dodge Pioneer, that was purchased from Downey Dodge right there in Downey, right off the 605 freeway and the 5. Of course, I don't know if the 5 was the 5 back then. Anyway, um, bought it in 1960. Um, and that was the car that she had. Her husband was getting ready to go home and be with the Lord. And he wanted to make sure that she had, this was just the kind of guy he was, right? So she had this beautiful car. And I loved that car when I was growing up. It had a push button automatic 302 V8 thing hummed. It, it, it Solid metal, two big bench seats, right? You could easily fit three people in the front seat, even my size, possibly four. I mean, people were smaller back in the 50s and 60s. And then the back seat, you could easily get another three. Uh, the carpeting was original. She did have to have it reupholstered one day. By the way, when she passed away, the car had, how many miles on it? I think it had 32,000 miles on it in 24 years of driving it. And then we got, had it for a couple of years, and uh, it developed a problem with the timing chain. Not the timing belt, but the timing chain. And so it got down to the point where I was driving it at the time. I loved driving it. I was newly married had a couple small kids and we needed a second car so i was driving that car i drove that car everywhere right probably drove it places i should not have driven it you know it's a fun car to drive and so you have to drive it 100 miles to a visit a client or something and all of a sudden it has no air conditioning and it's got an am radio and you're like well maybe this isn't such a great car anyway it developed an issue with the timing chain and the transmission and we needed to get it fixed repaired or just sell it and so this is back before the internet. This is 1992. And so I started looking at all the car books that I could find. And um, there were uh, Hemmings Motor News and other places to see what I could do with this, um, this vehicle. And it was interesting because what happened was I came across a guy in South Orange County who worked on Hemi engines, Barracudas, things like that, part of the Plymouth Chrysler Dodge Foundation. And he said, I will take this off your hands. Here's what it's worth, but here's what it's going to cost me to fix it. I can give you just a few hundred bucks for it. And I, at first I went, no, this is my grandmother's car. It's rare. It's amazing. It's incredible. I mean, I, this has got to be worth more money. So I started looking and started doing my homework, doing my due diligence, as it were. And through Hemmings and a couple other places, I found out that the Dodge Pioneer was only in production for two years, and there's a reason why. It's because people wanted to buy the Chrysler New Yorker. They didn't want to buy the Dodge Pioneer, so Dodge gave up on it. So I thought, well, this is great. It's even more rare. And it turns out it wasn't. It really wasn't. It was rare in number. They didn't make that many of them, but no one was really collecting them. We could have hung on to that car for years, and at the end of years, it would still be worth a couple thousand dollars. And so at the end, I parted with my grandmother's car for about 500 bucks. And it went to a guy who knew how to work on those engines. Now, for all I know, he put a new engine in it, put a new transmission in it, and sold it at auction for 100 grand. I, but nonetheless, the reason I share that story is because there are a lot of people who hold on to what they think are collectibles in their families for years. 
And they, oh, no one wants this. It's not that big a deal. I mean, it's this small, like in this case, this is a tiny fragment that is one and a half by two inches in diameter. It has four lines written on it in ancient Hebrew. And the question is, and it begins with the words, to Ishmael, send. The rest of the words are either illegible or incomplete. During a mission to Israel in 1965, a woman came across this papyrus, and they're not quite sure how she got it. Either she bought it or someone gave it to her because she was part of a group that was doing an excavation. And at the time, just looking at the words, just looking at the size and not being able to do the chemical dating, etc., etc., they really didn't know what it was. So a family here in the States has been holding on to this for years, decades as a matter of fact thinking, hey, this is a cool old fragment. We can't really read what it says, but it's kind of fun, and it came from an excavation site. Let's just hang on to it. Kind of like my grandmother's Dodge, right? Well, guess what? It turns out that not only is that a special piece of papyrus, but it's extremely rare, and the Israeli Antiquities Authority has been looking for it for decades. How rare is it? I'll tell you on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks for uh, indulging me in the story of my grandmother's car as we talk about this rare papyrus note that's been on display in an American family's home for decades. It was uncovered during a mission to Israel in 1965. It's only an inch and a half by two inches in diameter. It contains four lines written on it, and the only words that are legible are in Hebrew that say to Ishmael send. You know, Ishmael as in Ishmael before Isaac, right? According to Eaton Klein from the Israeli Antiquity Association Theft Prevention Unit, he said this is actually a unique and extremely rare papyrus from the first century. Actually, going back even further than that, it's from the first temple era. It had been stored in a cave in the Judean desert for centuries, and the dry climate kept it alive. As a matter of fact, it's conceivable that first temple area uh, goes from the period of construction of the temple under King Solomon to its destruction by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. Professor Bruce Zuckerman of the University of Southern California helped to locate the papyrus and send it back to Israel. Basically, um, they came from Israel to take a look at the papyrus. They took a look at it. They did testing on it. And they said, now, the word Ishmael does not refer to the son of Abraham. It became a rather common name during that era. But nonetheless, it tied back into the fact that this papyrus is authenticated to 2,700 years ago. Again, written in biblical times. Now, this is not actually part of, you know, biblical scripture per se, but it does confirm what was happening in the world in biblical times. This was from the first temple period. This would have been when Solomon's temple was constructed. This would have been a part of something that probably got torn up and knocked into a cave when the Babylonians were destroying Solomon's temple in 586 BC. And here it is today, preserved and it's only a matter of time before they figure out what those other illegible words actually say yet another example that god has given us to let us know that these words that were written in the past romans 15 were written to teach us and all of this ties together 
and God holds all of it together. We're chose to, we are chosen to occupy this space and time here on September 16th, 2022, but God's eternal. And every now and again, he pulls back the curtain of eternity and shows, up, shows a little glimpse of that. We've got a link for this article along with a picture of the papyrus, 2,700 years old, up at thebottomlineshow.com. Last call for Brian Dawkins' book, Blessed by the Best, My Journey to Canton and Beyond. If you're a Christian football fan, you will want to read the story of the faith journey of this Hall of Famer from the Eagles and the Broncos, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, we've got Rabbi Schneider discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain with us on the network, another good news story about a worldwide recognized evangelical leader who recently conducted the first ever Christian faith crusade in the country of Mongolia. How successful was that, you ask? We'll take a look at that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Good news, good news, good news. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show, or welcome to this Good News Friday edition. If you're just joining us, I'm Roger Marsh, and my thanks again to NFL Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins for joining me early in the pro- earlier in the program and his book, Blessed by the Best, his journey to Canton, Ohio, the NFL Hall of Fame and beyond. Uh, we've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's been great fun giving that book away today. Hey, I want to share with you uh, about a, a, a great, story about fulfilling the Great Commission that uh, I truly appreciate. Uh, one of the people that I, is very close to me in my world is more of a liberal, you know, Democrat type person than a uh, conservative Christian. I won't say conservative Republicans because there are a lot of liberal Republicans these days now too. And I was talking with this person not too long ago about ministries and national ministries, a lifelong Christian very devoted in their uh, their service to the Lord and, and uh, you know, the, the work in the church. And the topic came up about Christian evangelistic outreaches and ministries and things like that. And they didn't have a lot of great things to say about a lot of the big time ministry people and this, that, and the other thing. But then that person was, the topic of conversation came up about who do you trust? And the person said to me without hesitation, Franklin Graham. And then she said, I don't always appreciate his politics, but I do appreciate the fact that he really does live out the gospel. And, you know, I, I have to admit, there are some things about Franklin Graham that I've heard, that I've read. Franklin's been a guest on the program here a couple of times, uh, about, especially about his father. He has a very, very storied history with regard to him being a rebel. Uh, what, what's, I think his biography is even called Rebel with a Cause. Franklin, I, isn't Franklin the youngest of the five Graham children? There are three daughters and two sons. Uh, let's see if I remember the names now. There's Anne, of course, Anne Graham Lotz, a very well-known evangelist and Bible teacher. Um, the boys are Ned and Franklin. And then there is Gigi. And then there is also Ruth. And Ruth has been a guest on this program. As a matter of fact, I, it just occurred to me that we've had three of the five children of Billy and Ruth Bell Graham on the Bottom Line Show over the course of time. Getting a little nostalgic here because looking ahead to next Monday, next Monday actually is the 11th anniversary of the Bottom Line Show. It's amazing. And I'm so grateful that we're going to have some celebration. We're going to give away a bunch of stuff. We're just going to have a good time. And uh, we're going to celebrate and give glory to God. And I'm thrilled to uh, be your host for that as I was to be the co-host of the Bottom Line Show when it first started 11 years ago this coming Monday. 
But Franklin, uh, most prolific of the Graham children who've been on the show, I think her sister Ruth is kind of tied for second. But this guy has taken a lot of guff for some things that he has said that weren't necessarily popular. Um, you know, he's offended many people in the Christian church for saying things like we should be praying for President Biden or, you know, President Clinton or President Obama when they didn't have a really good rep with the Christian church necessarily. Um, there have also been some things that Franklin Graham has been involved in recently that I've been reading about that are, are hard to hear. They're, they're, they're hard to read. And yet I think they are important for us in the body of Christ, since we're talking about the good news, to acknowledge. Uh, there was a story of Nagme Abedini. Remember Pastor Saeed Abedini, who was an Iranian Muslim who came to the U.S., wound up becoming a Christian, wound up becoming a pastor, going back to Iran, and he was jailed there for the crime of uh, uh, Yusuf Narakani and also uh, uh, Saeed Abedini were two of the most prominently featured Christian pastors who were jailed for their faith, and they were in the even prison in, in Tehran, it was just a horrible abuse and torture these guys went through, and it was just a, a nightmare. And Nagme was so, she was a guest here on the program many years ago, and there was a big push for the release of Saeed Abedini, and, and he was released. And it was very interesting, because frankly, Graham was very instrumental in helping to get him released, and, and I know a lot of people were praying for and were praising God once he was released. But when he was released, it was very interesting because his wife wasn't necessarily rushing to his side. They wound up kind of in neutral corners while he was being debriefed. I mean, of course, having been exposed to that kind of prison and torture and things like that uh, had to be rather jarring for this guy. But then over the course of the years, um, Nagme Abedini wound up filing for divorce. She accused Saeed of, of being abusive and emotionally and physically. And I thought, now, isn't this interesting? I mean, it didn't make any sense. There was a big gap in the message as to why this woman who had been so steadfast and please pray for my husband, we can't wait to have him back, et cetera, et cetera. Once he did come back, said, look, I've got to divorce you and take our kids away. You, you're, you're a monster. And I, initially I thought, well, maybe this is something that happened to him when he was in prison. I mean, that would be perfectly understandable, not necessarily acceptable, but understandable. But then it, it turns out that guys like Franklin Graham and others had been counseling Nagme Abedini when she said, look, I've got these concerns and they're legitimate, basically saying, hey, look, there's a greater story here. I know you're going through this right now, but people have been praying for this man. They think he's a hero and it's going to crush a lot of confidences if you don't kind of go along with this until he gets back. And, and that was heartbreaking to see the quotes attributed to Franklin Graham. I would love to have him back on the Bottom Line show and see if he would take time to, to answer those questions and those concerns. And the reason I do is because one of the last conversations he and I had was about the Ebola uh, virus and epidemic. Remember the breakout? There was, a, uh, uh, there was a film that was made, a documentary film, about how Samaritan's Purse was in Liberia, the Ebola was spreading everywhere, and they were doing relief work there. And remember the big cause of the spread. This is this is so, I mean, it's such a graphic word picture for me. And I hope it is for us in the body of Christ. When Ebola was breaking out, Liberians were dying by the dozens, if not the thousands. Simply not because that they were getting Ebola. They were dying because of their religious custom of who handled the dead bodies. There was a very tangible way for people to not spread Ebola and that virus. 
and the Liberians were going against it. They were not following the science. Someone would get Ebola and they would die, and then there would be as many as 10 different people who would be involved in the ceremonial washing and preparing the body for burial. And invariably, a vast majority of those people wound up getting Ebola. So here's, I remember so clearly, Arthur Rasko, I believe, was the director of the film, uh, Enduring Darkness was the title, and uh, Arthur's become a good friend, and it's nice to chat with him, but I remember, frankly, Graham here on the Bottom Line Show telling us, look, we went to Liberia, we were in Liberia, he said, I was in Alaska at the time doing another mission thing, when I got the word from our team, we have to make a decision. We're either going to stay here and deal with this as best we know how, or we're going to run. I mean, we were going to evacuate. There were other missionary groups that were in that area at the time. Half a million people got it and died of Ebola. And there's a, you know, there, there's, it becomes a safety issue. Are you willingly sending your lambs to the slaughter? Or are you doing something to actually fight this case? And I found it so interesting that in the case of Franklin Graham, he said, I talked to my team on the ground and he, they determined um, that they would actually stay. Not only did they stay, but they were going to fight this. And I, I, I think it's so amazing to know that they actually chose to get into, uh, you know, f- to fighting this thing to helping the people there, and they knew that there were going to be some casualties. Facing Darkness is the name of the documentary. And um, it, it basically, the idea was Kent Brantley, remember, was the doctor involved here. And Dr. Brantley was the one who got Ebola while he was there helping out. They sent him back to the U.S. Um, he was able to recover from Ebola, and they found out that the... Uh, the, the whole idea, basically, it's, it's like Arthur Rasko said, it's basically the story of the Good Samaritan. Dr. Brantland was serving at the time of his diagnosis, and there was Dr. Brantley and a team of others who basically said, we are going to help these people fight this, but did so in such a way that they would not help or not cause the people of Liberia to violate their cultural values or their religious beliefs. It's a very powerful story. And I so admire the Franklin Graham Organization, Samaritan's Purse, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association for doing the work that they did eventually based on the fact that they fought the most widespread outbreak of Ebola in history. They did so with experimental medications and they were able to save hundreds of thousands of lives because they were willing to take the risk. And it's amazing how when we saw what happened with COVID and how many people were basically told, run for cover, mask up, backs up, hide, hide, hide away. How much emotional and spiritual damage that did to people. Whereas the Franklin Graham team said, look, God called us here to minister. And if this is where we're called to minister, this is where we're going to minister. It's Matthew 28. It's Mark 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing those who receive this good news in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the same way that our perfect sinless Savior went into world (laughs) out of heaven and put his deity essentially on hold so that he would not be the judge and jury of everybody he encountered, 
That's basically what we saw happening with Franklin Graham and their group. But what every missionary does, you go through that when you say, look, I know there's a risk of disease, but I'm trusting that God will protect me. And the casualty rate was very low for Franklin's team and the recovery rate was very high for the people of Liberia. So for the check marks against the Franklin Graham ministry in the case of Nagmi Abedini, the check marks for at the end of the day, God will judge and God will rule and reign like he always has. That hasn't stopped Franklin Graham from continuing the ministry of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and Samaritan's Purse. Recently, they went to a part of the world that has never been reached before on this level. The country of Mongolia, population 3 million, had never seen any kind of evangelistic rally. The number of churches there, relatively small. The number of Christians there, relatively small. Why Mongolia, why now, and how successful was their first ever evangelistic event there? We'll talk about that on the other side of this break, and I'll give you a hint. This is Good News Friday, right? (laughs) So we do have good news about what happened in Mongolia with Franklin Graham's organization. That's all coming up next as the bottom line continues. Let Wilson Financial Services help you identify proprietary financial strategies for your wealth that work for your life. Let's revisit our one-year CD. Had a client who had $500,000 of retained earnings in his corporation for the last three years. I said, if you'd have put that into this account three years ago, you'd have seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of interest versus what you have now, which is a nice round number. Had a client sell his house, had $450,000 in the bank. I told him, is he really not likely to buy a house in the next 12 months? You want to leave this in the bank earning nothing? Or would you like to earn some interest on it over the next 12 months? So he said, how much? I said, well, how about between 20 and 30,000? He says, zero versus 20 or 30,000. Yeah, he says, I like the 20 or 30,000. Sounds better. Aren't you tired of earning nothing with all the money you have in the bank? Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. After a lengthy preamble, we finally get into our story for the uh, final section here of the Bottom Line Show today. Good News Friday story involving Franklin Graham, the president of Samaritan's Purse and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and his recent evangelistic outreach to Mongolia. Now, you want to talk about going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every nation. Um, the Mongolia is a very, very strategic nation in the midst of everything that's going on here because it's on the Asian continent. It is landlocked, literally, in Eastern Asia, and it's bordered by a couple of countries you've probably heard of. To the north is Russia, and to the south is China. Now, lest we in the United States start thinking of ourselves a little too big for our britches, remember, Russia, China, and India all in the same bit here, and the bulk of the world's population is there. So as far as the Mongolian outreach goes, you know this was a huge undertaking, and it's something, quite frankly, that the church has been praying for in Mongolia. As a matter of fact, there are approximately 250 churches in that area that have spent the last 20 years praying for a festival of joy, as what uh, Billy Graham Evangelistic calls it. It's a two-night event, and this one finally was held a couple of weeks ago. Now, Franklin Graham has actually visited Mongolia before, but in terms of doing an event like this, this was the first one. (coughs) 
Now, as far as the uh, where they actually did it, they went to the capital city, Ulaanbaatar. The capital city is a strategic place. Mongolia is an interesting spot. If I do just a little bit of uh, uh, demographic and geographic information about Mongolia, if you're not familiar, I mentioned it's landlocked in East Asia, bordered by Russia and China. It could very easily, we know that in Scripture, uh, Russia is Gog and Israel's Magog or whatever. When Russia starts attacking Israel, that's when we start seeing Armageddon getting closer. But in this case, though, with China seeking to work deals to kind of take over the world and Russia and China being arch enemies, but sometimes arch allies. And then you have Mongolia tucked right smack dab in the middle. Population of Mongolia, just a hair over 3 million people. However, the land mass of Mongolia, over 600,000 square miles. That means by definition, Mongolia is the largest most sparsely populated sovereign nation in the world. Biggest landmass and then smallest per capita population. Mongolians are neither Russian nor Chinese. As a matter of fact, when you ask what language they speak, they speak Mongolian. Uh, they're not speaking Russian or Chinese and they don't have a lot to gain by actually coming in touch with either one of those other than the fact that each of those nations have weapons and could blast them to smithereens. But to get the kind of turnout that Franklin Graham and the Samaritan's Purse crowd did and the Billy Graham Evangelistic uh, Organization did uh, on this two-night festival of joy, it's truly remarkable. Now, to put this in perspective, remember, it's 603,000 square miles of landmass in Mongolia. But the capital city, Ulaanbaatar, literally has half the population of Mongolia living there. So the other 1.5, 1.6 million people who live in Mongolia are really scattered. And you talk about this is the to the ends of the earth message, right? So these 250 Mongolian churches got together. They worked with BGEA and Samaritan's Purse to put it all together. Um, Pastor Bazaglagon Lakavov, the pastor of Blessing Rain Church and the chairman of the festival, uh, told the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, we've seen people in many other countries come to these outreaches and wind up placing their faith and trusting God's son. This is a blessing. And as Christians in Mongolia, we want to bless the people of our own country by being part of an opportunity to tell them about God's great love for them. We believe that Franklin Graham has been sharing the gospel in so many parts of the world, world and we are looking forward to him coming to Alambatar and seeing how God changes lives through this festival of joy. So here's what Franklin Graham wrote on his social media page once this was over. It was exciting to see so many people at the second night of the Festival of Joy in Mongolia. I told the crowd here that makes Mongolia special, and what makes it special is the people. I have loved being here. There are so many people who are searching and have an emptiness, and they can't find a way to fill it because they don't even know that they're searching for God. But God loves us and wants a relationship with him, and that's the message that I shared. And they said it was thrilling to see hundreds of people of all ages responding to God's invitation to repent of their sins and put their faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And our deep gratitude to the pastors, the churches, the general committee, the executive leadership, and all of the many volunteers who have prayed to help make this evangelistic crusade possible. 
Now, all told, there are 3.3 million people in Mongolia and 17,300 people attended over the two nights that they held, had the festival. Of that 17,300 people, the report is that, and I'm quoting BGEA here, hundreds of people wound up placing their faith in God as a result, placing their faith in his son, Jesus Christ, to wash them clean of all their sin. That is a truly remarkable number. It's a great statistic, and it's worthy of praise. Amen and amen. But you might be asking, okay, Roger, well, that's kind of exciting, but there are 3.3 million people in Mongolia, and so many of them are spread out all over the place. Why are we getting so excited about a couple thousand, 10,000 or so people coming to a two-day event and a few hundred of them receiving faith in Christ? Well, let me ask you this question. When Jesus issued the Great Commission, that's recorded in Matthew's Gospel and Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, and in Mark's Gospel and Mark chapter 16. How many people heard that message? Remember, Judas had taken his own life, so there were only 11 disciples. There were a few women and other hangers-on who are around there. But let's say two dozen people heard that message. Do you know how many people actually profess faith in Christ today? Over 2 billion people. 25% at least of the world's population today are professing Christians. And that doesn't count the billions of people who've gone before them in the 2,000 plus years since the Lord issued that great commission. I love the fact that God is a God of multiplication and leverage. These hundred, let's say there's 500 people of the 17-3 that came. Many of the people who came were already Christians and so they were there to affirm and maybe bring their unsaved friends. So 500 people become Christians and the nation has 3.3 million. My pastor back at Lake Hills Community Church in uh, Laguna Hills and Lake Forest area back in the 1970s had a model for evangelism. It was really very simple. He said, each one, win one. When I talked to Dr. Gary Chapman on the program last week, and we talked about racial reconciliation here in the United States. Remember what Gary said? He and his friend, Dr. Clarence Schuler, uh, Gary's white, Clarence is black. Uh, they've been friends for over 50 years. He said, you know, uh, we're hoping to help people have better cross-cultural relationships, whether between white and black or Hispanic and Asian, whatever it is. But then he also said, look, Clarence is really a, my closest friend, but he's one of the only black friends that I have. It takes a lot of work to do this. So for Christians, each one win one. If every person in the body of Christ who professes faith in Christ would share their faith with someone else and let the Holy Spirit do his thing, we could double the number and half the world's population would be saved in no time. You see where this is going? God doesn't say, grow me an orchard. God says, cut open the apple and take all the seeds out of the core. Plant those seeds in the ground and let me do the increase. You do the planting, let me do the growing and the increase. So seeds were sown in Mongolia over the past couple of weeks and hats off to Franklin Graham and his team for doing so. Uh, we've got some final thoughts coming up on this Good News Friday. We'll put the article up at thebottomlineshow.com. Final thoughts in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Thanks for tuning into this Good News Friday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and as I mentioned before the break, the story about Franklin Graham's outreach, the uh, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association outreach to Mongolia, first of its kind, 
uh, reaching over 17,000 people with the gospel, hundreds of people coming to faith in Christ. We've got that whole story up at thebottomlineshow.com. In these final moments here, I want to thank you before we get to Monday's program, because I might get emotional on Monday, and I, I'm not quite so emotional today just yet. Monday, September 19th, marks the 11th anniversary of The Bottom Line Show. It was actually on a Monday, Monday, September 19, 2011, that The Bottom Line Show launched on KBRT in Southern California. And uh, that's back when the tower was on Catalina and was in its process of moving over off of the Catalina Island onto uh, the mainland, as it were. Uh, since then, we have grown in our network. We've added an FM station in Corona, an FM station in San Diego, an AM station in San Diego. We've added KCBC, uh, AM and FM in the Central Valley all the way up through uh, Sacramento. We've added KLDC and KLTT in Colorado. We've had a re- good relationship with KKPZ in Portland uh, and an off and on relationship with KWM in Dallas. Uh, it has been an honor and privilege to be your tour guide for all 11 years of the Bottom Line Show. My colleague Dave Householder and I co-hosted the show for the first year and a half. And then, quite frankly, we weren't sure if the show was going to survive. So a decision was made to continue on with a solo effort. And so in late April of 2013, um, I became your tour guide. And I take this responsibility so seriously. I mean, I really do. To to take a, We started the show, The Bottom Line, because we want to get to the bottom line or what are the issues that are impacting the church. And how do we look at world events through the lens of Scripture, through a biblical worldview? And when you see what the statistics tell us about how few people who profess faith in Christ actually hold a biblical worldview, I think what we're doing here is more important now more than ever. So I want to thank Mr. Don Crawford Sr. for dreaming up this program. Um, I want to thank Rich and Diane Bueller. Rich is with the Lord uh, for blessing this program when we first launched it 11 years ago. Uh, Don Crawford Jr. and Mike Treem, our great management team at our West Coast Crawford stations. Uh, Tamara Comino, our, our super producer, and uh, Teresa Kim and Joel Dominguez, who hold down the fort during the regular broadcast. Todd Stickler, our operations manager, who's been with us for every single program. Todd's an institution at KBRT, and we could not do this without him. Everyone who's ever gone before us, Rob Newton, uh, Tim Mott, Francis uh, Carrillo, the other producers of The Bottom Line Show, Dave Grippenwald, who made uh, this happen from the production side, Dennis Wilson and Stephanie Cover, uh, who've been our longest-running uh, financial advertising supporters here on the program. But most of all, I want to thank you uh, for your friendship over the past 11 years, for tuning in. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still here. Uh, I had a heart issue that could have taken me out, and God said, no, you're going to get a new heart surgically repaired. And that was four and a half years ago. So we're, we're still going going and going strong um, and looking forward to that. For every email, every phone call, every call in that we've had, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, thank you for your feedback and for making this a place that is safe in the sense that the idea should be that we can listen, uh, we can be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, as Scripture tells us, and be those biblical Christians that God uses to change the world and to help other people see that they need a savior his name is jesus christ he's the only means of salvation the only way they can settle their debt on judgment day and we will keep continuing our goal to press on in the good news sharing all of that every single step of the way and that's the bottom line be sure to join us monday for our special 11th anniversary edition of the bottom line show Uh, tune in for us then i'm roger marsh have a great weekend thanks and god bless you